Just kidding. Okay, I know enough to know that's not true. Okay, uh, Colossians chapter 1, if you would uh, take your Bible and find that, um, we're going to be there tonight. Colossians chapter number 1, and uh, as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing, if you're able to do so, uh, for the reading of God's Word. Colossians chapter number 1, and uh, we're going to actually start in verse number 12 and uh, read down through verse number 17. We're not going to really study verses 12 through 14, because we did so last week, uh, but just again, give us context of where we're going to be at tonight. Colossians 1, verse 12 says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. Lord, as we come to this uh, powerful and lofty and precious portion of Scripture, Lord, that describes who you are, Father, there's no way I'm going to be able to adequately add to what you already have here. But tonight, as we uh, take some time, take a few moments to consider who you are, Lord, I pray that you would help us to uh, understand and that, Lord, we would appreciate who you are and, uh, Lord, live appropriately in light of who you are. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would use this time to draw us closer to you and to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So throughout the scriptures, there are over 200 titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can find Jesus Christ in every single book of the Bible. For instance, in the book of Genesis, Jesus is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud and the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, Jesus is the captain of our salvation. In the book of Judges, he is the judge and the great lawgiver. In the book of Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the prophet of the Lord. In First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, he is the reigning king. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of the broken down walls. In the book of Esther, Jesus is our Mordecai. In the book of Job, he is the day spring from on a high. In Psalms, he is the Lord who is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Jesus is our wisdom. In the book of Song of Solomon, Jesus is our great lover and bridegroom. In the book of Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In the book of Jeremiah he, and Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wheel turning. In the book of Daniel, he is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. 
In the book of Hosea, he is the bridegroom married to the backslidden woman. In Joel, he is baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the mighty savior. In the book of Jonah, Jesus is our forgiving God. In Micah, he is the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk, he is the great evangelist crying for revival. In Zephaniah, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Haggai, he is the cleansing fountain. In Zechariah, he is the merciful father. In Malachi, Jesus is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Oh, in the book of Matthew, he is the Messiah. In Mark, he is the serving Savior, the miracle worker. In the book of Luke, he is the Son of Man. In the book of John, he is the Son of God. In Acts, he is the ascended Lord. In Romans, he is the justifier. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he is the resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he is the God of all comfort. In Galatians, he is the one who sets us free. In Ephesians, he is the Christ of riches and the head of the church. In Philippians, he is the God who meets our every need. In the book of Colossians, which we're in tonight, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is a soon-coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man, and the only mediator, by the way. In the book of Titus, he is our blessed hope. In the little book of Philemon, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is the blood that washes away our sins and, and our perfection. In the book of James, he is the great physician. In First and Second Peter, he's the chief shepherd and chief cornerstone. In First, Second, and Third John, he is our everlasting love. In Jude, he is the Lord who comes down with ten thousands of his saints. And in the book of Revelation, he is, of course, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, he is in every uh, book of the Bible and uh, over 200 different titles given to him in the scriptures. Uh, now, we come to this passage of scripture in the book of Colossians, and here uh, the Apostle Paul lays out several different um, titles for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and there are several that we're going to look at over this week, and then next time when we meet, next Sunday we'll have a guest speaker, uh, so it'll be next time when we meet, uh, we'll uh, look, look at the other following uh titles given to the Lord Jesus, and, and uh, these are all doctrinally important for us to understand, because you see, in, uh, one of the reasons that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Colossians is because there was a misunderstanding of who Jesus was, and even in our day and age, there's a misunderstanding of who Jesus is, and so we need to uh, get our minds wrapped around who our Savior really is, and so with that, let's dive into a few of these uh, titles given to Jesus Christ by the Apostle Paul, uh, really under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here in the book of Colossians. First, we see in, in, in verse number 15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the image of the invisible God. Verse number uh, 15, it says, who is the image of the invisible God? Okay, so I'm not really uh, going super far away from what the scriptures say here on my points. Uh, I'm going to stay with pretty much what, uh, what the Apostle Paul here uh, wrote. Uh, now, remember, Adam was created in the image of God. Do you remember that? Back in Genesis 1, and verse number 26. I'm going to go ahead and turn over there and, and remind us what, what uh, God says about creation. In verse 26, 
Um, said, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the air. I'm sorry, fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. There we go. That makes a little more sense. Although there are fish that fly. Um, but uh, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the, all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now, Adam was created in the image of God, but Christ though, is the express image of his person. Uh, Hebrews chapter number one and verse number three. And uh, I'm going to have us kind of uh, write a bunch of scriptures down uh, because there, there's so many different uh, cross-references uh, tonight. So this is a little bit more of a teaching type message, uh, but one that uh, we need to, again, get our minds and hearts wrapped around. Hebrews chapter number one and verse number three says, who, talking about Christ, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So it's not that he is, um, you know, kind of a, I don't know, uh, I'm trying to think of an example and it's not coming to me, so I'll, I'll move on here. Uh, John 1.14 tells us as well that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, so Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, okay? God is a spirit, and as a result, he's invisible. And so God can only be seen by manifestations that he uh, has manifested throughout history. I think of the angel of the Lord when uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 18. Uh, we have talked about several of them as we went through the different books of the Bible and, and how he appeared. He appeared uh, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace. And, and Jesus appeared there as, as the appearance uh, like unto the Son of, Son of God. That's what God manifested himself in, in, in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. He is the visible God. He is the image of the invisible God. Okay, John 1.18 is another reference. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God. God is a spirit. We can't see him. But the Son, we can see him. And uh, we can touch him. Uh, he was touchable. He was able to be seen and heard and felt. Uh, John, 1 John in chapter 1 and verse 1 says, That which, which, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. And uh, there was uh, a doctrine that was being introduced when the apostle John wrote that 1 John epistle, that, uh, that Jesus was just a spirit. No, he was a God in, in bodily form, and uh, he was handled, he was seen, um, he was touched. And remember when Jesus, in the resurrected form, uh, said, hey, go ahead and put your finger and, and behold my hands. Go ahead and see that the scars. Go ahead, and, go ahead and touch me. Go ahead and see the, 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 this, my side that was pierced for you. Go ahead. Uh, Jesus is the invisible or image of the invisible God. Uh, and then part of that, too, is number two here is Jesus is the firstborn of every creature. 
Going back to Colossians 1 and verse 15, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now, at, at first glance, you're thinking, wait a minute. So was Jesus born like created? Uh, we know that Jesus was born in human flesh in Bethlehem's manger, right? Uh, back in Luke chapter number 2, as Jesus uh, came forth and was born of a virgin uh, there in Bethlehem, and, and uh, we just, a couple months ago, just were celebrating Christmas, and, and the fact that Jesus, God in human flesh, came uh, down to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ uh, in, as, as a baby. But that's not when Jesus began his existence. See, Jesus has always been in existence. Um, so when we see firstborn, we automatically think, okay, I have a, I have a firstborn child. His name is, uh, I don't remember what his name is now. I haven't seen him in a week, so I kind of forgot who he is. No, his name is Seth, and uh, he's our firstborn. And there was a time when he was not, and then there was a time when he was. And so when we see this firstborn of every creature, we think, oh, well, that must mean that he had a beginning at some point. No, Jesus never had a beginning. He's always been and always will be. And this speaks of a couple things here. First, it speaks that he is the first in time, the first in time. Um, he is the first in time. In other words, he has been at the very beginning and will be uh, forever. He is the first in time and he never had a beginning. Now, if, if you would go ahead and turn in your Bible to uh, Micah chapter number five and verse number two. Micah chapter number five. So we have uh, the Old Testament at the very end of it is Malachi. Then we have Zechariah. Going backwards here, then we have Haggai, Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Nahum, and then we have Micah. Okay, Micah chapter number 5 and verse number 2. This is the great prophecy concerning the fact that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. But I want us to see what it says here about Jesus' beginning. He says, in, it says in verse number 2, But thou Bethlehem Epaphrathah, or ta, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel. But notice the end of this verse, whose, going, whose goings forth have been from old, from, what's that last word? <coughs> Everlasting. So Jesus has been in existence forever. Bethlehem was not his beginning Bethlehem was simply his arrival as, human, as a human flesh, as a human being, as man, but he has always existed from everlasting. Okay, going back to Colossians 1 here. There's a couple other references that you can write down. I'm just going to go ahead and read them. Exodus 4 and verse number 22. Um, it says this in, uh, in, in that verse, uh, Thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Okay? So there's that principle of the firstborn. And then Psalm 89 in verse number 27, and this is an excellent uh, reference here. And in all my commentaries on this, each one of them listed this verse 
as proof that Jesus did not have his exist did not start his existence in Bethlehem, but as a firstborn uh, doesn't always mean that there was a beginning to his existence. In Psalm eighty nine and verse number twenty seven, it says this. He shall cry, uh, I'm sorry, also I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. And uh, this was a reference to uh, the Lord Jesus. I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. Also, um, David was referenced here as well. And David certainly was not the firstborn um, in his home. In fact, he was the least of his home, wasn't he? Uh, When Uh, Samuel went to go anoint the next uh, king over Israel. He went to Jesse's house and thinking that, oh, well, one of these boys are going to be the next king. And Eliab was uh, evidently the firstborn there. And uh, surely the Lord's anointed is before me, he said. And God said, nope. Um, And then he went and asked all the rest of the boys to come before him. And nope, 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 nope. And he's like, do you have any more boys? Yeah, we have the least the youngest, the runt of the, of the bunch, but he's out taking care of the sheep. We'll go call him in, and that was David. And uh, Jesus here, which means this, that the firstborn doesn't always have to be the one that's, that's first in, in time, yes, but, but also, let her be here, he is first in rank. He is first in rank. The firstborn has the highest rank out of them all. And of course, when it says here that Jesus is the firstborn of every creature, that means he's the highest uh, and superior and supreme over every other creature. Jesus is the firstborn of every creature. But the thirdly, I want us to see that not only is Jesus the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, I want us to see thirdly that Jesus is the creator. And this one's a little more clear and easy to explain. Uh, In verse number 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So he is the creator. A lot of times when we think of, uh, well, creation took place, and um, yeah, I know that God the Father was part of creation. Actually, uh, God the Son was there and God the Holy Spirit were there. Uh, the Trinity was all in uh, one uh, unit helping or working together to make creation happen. If you go back to Genesis 1.1, we, of course, have in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And it says here, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So we see, really, God the Father, we, we, you could say God the Father is found in verse number 1. And then verse number 2, you see the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And then we see God the Son in verse number 3, God said. Okay, remember Jesus is considered the Word of God. And so here we have the Word of God going forth, let there be light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so we see the the sun kind of mentioned twice here, let there be light, and there was light. So we see the the Lord Jesus Christ part of creation here. Now, this isn't um, going back to Colossians 1. Colossians 1 is not the only place in the scriptures do we really find 
very clearly spelled out that Jesus was part of creation. We find it in the book of John, John chapter 1, Colossians chapter number 1, and Hebrews chapter number 1. Let me give you those references in John and in Hebrews. John 1, verse 1 and through 3 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then it says this, John does, All things were made by him. And he said, just in case you didn't get that, he says, without him was not anything made that was made. <laughs> so he said, hey, everything was made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus here uh, was the creator. And then Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 2 says this, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus made and created all that you and I see and know. The French uh, mathematician, um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. We'll just call him uh, Mr. L. Um, he examined the laws of probability for one single molecule of high dissymmetry to be formed by the action of chance. And uh, this mathematician found that on average, the time needed to form just one such molecule of our terrestrial globe would be about 10 to the 253rd power, i.e. billions and billions of years. But, he continued ironically, let us admit that no matter how small the chance it could happen, one molecule could be created by such astronomical odds of chance. However, one molecule is of no use. Hundreds of millions of identical ones are necessary. Thus, we either admit the miracle or doubt the absolute truth of science. And so Jesus was part of that, okay? And, and we, know that, um, we know that there's more proof for creation than there is for evolution. We know that. But we know now through the Word of God that it is Jesus who is the Creator. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 17 it says, All Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And then there it, and then the end of that verse, there's some application in this for us, and there is nothing too hard for thee. So if he's the creator, what else is too difficult for him? Nothing. What about your trial that you're going through? What about um, the future? God's got that. If he can create all that he, that you and I know in six literal days, if he could do that, he could handle your financial issue. He can handle the inflation. He can handle rising gas prices. He can handle it. He's got it. Um, Psalm 36, uh, Psalm 33 and verse 6 says this, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Now, verse 9 of that chapter says, For he spake, and it was done. 
He commanded, and it stood fast. And again, when it says, by the word of the Lord, uh, I think you can make a case that that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the embodiment of the word. He is the word of God. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. And he spoke and it was done. He commanded it and stood fast. That's great power. And that's my Savior. And if you're saved, that's yours too. He is our creator. All things were made by him, but then all things were made for him. In Colossians 1 and verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, the things that you can see and the things that you can't see, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Uh, this is talking about angelic beings that you and I cannot see. All things were created by him, and then notice this, all things were created for him. Everything was created for his um, pleasure and for his glory. And that includes me and that includes you. We were created for him, for his pleasure. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So here's a question for all of us, a little application for us tonight. Are you living for his glory, for his pleasure? Are you endeavoring to please the Lord with your life and with your attitude and with your um, actions and, and thought life? And, and uh, are, you, are you trying to please Him? And that is why we were created. We were made for Him. Not so that you can live life for yourself, but so that you could live life for Him. Especially if we're saved. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 15 says this. Um, he says, and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Uh, we're not to just live our lives for our own pleasure and for our own whims. We're to live for him because all things were made by him, but all things were also made for him. And that includes you and that includes me. We were made for him. So we see that Jesus is the creator. Number four, we see that Jesus is eternal. Verse number 17 of Colossians 1, it says, and he is before all things. Now notice this little word between the word he and before. It's the word is. He is. It's not he was before all things. He is before all things. In other words, he is and always has been eternal. He's always, he always has been and always will be. Hebrews 13, 8 puts it this way. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He's never changed. Okay, maybe he has uh, changed his manifestation in Bethlehem. And, uh, and now he has a different manifestation now that he has a resurrected, glorified body. But Jesus Christ, in his essence, is the same yesterday and today and forever. His power is the same. His uh, love is the same. It's, it's never changed. Same yesterday, today, and forever. John 1 and verse 1 tells us that he is eternal. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So he always has been and always will be. I like what Jesus said in John 8, 58. 
Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, anybody know, know the next two little words? I am. He didn't say I was. He said I am. And so in that moment, he was right there. He is re referring and claimed to be the, the great I am who has always been and always will be. A couple references I want you to see for yourself. Uh, hold your place here in Colossians and go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 8. Uh, Jesus said this. Revelation 1.8, I am, there's that I am again, I am Alpha and Omega, which by the way are the first Greek letter and the last Greek letter. I took four semesters of Greek and that's about all I learned. That's about all I can tell you right now. I can't tell you what the other letters are in the alphabet. I, I could probably tell you a few, um, but I do know enough to know that Alpha is the first Greek letter. And Omega is the last one. And so he said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Look in verse 18. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. And look, turn over to chapter 3, Revelation 3 and verse number 14. One more reference, then we'll go back to Colossians. Revelation 3.14, Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and here it is, the beginning of the creation of God. And that could apply to the fact that he's creator, but it also applies to his, the fact that he is eternal, the beginning of the creation of God. Going back, uh, flip back to Colossians Chapter number one. See, Jesus has always been the Son of God and always will be the Son of God. He is eternal. He is eternal. Uh, but then number five, I want us to see this last thought here uh, before we wrap this up. And that is Jesus is the sustainer. And this one I'm kind of walking away a little bit from. Um, what Paul says here specifically, but we're, we're saying this in verse number 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He sustains everything. He holds everything together. I like what J. Vernon McGee said about this. He said that Jesus is the superglue of creation. <laughs> and that is so true. You see, he holds the universe together. Jesus is responsible for making the planets spin and orbit around the sun. And by the way, he has always been responsible for that from the moment creation took place until, uh, until now and, and, and beyond, including when he was walking here on this earth as a man. As a toddler, he was able to still be in control and hold everything together. That's amazing. I mean, that's, some, that's a strong toddler. And uh, he was able to do that. Um, he was 
he, he is able to hold the entire universe together. And uh, in talking about the sun here, he keeps the sun emitting just the right amount of energy to keep planet Earth able to sustain life. And uh, as you know, there's a narrow margin of temperature that life can exist here on this planet. And Jesus keeps the sun producing just the right amount of that energy to where you and I are not going to get burnt up or freeze to death. And he keeps the laws of gravity in place, the laws of physics and chemistry, all working together, all of it. See, by him, all things consist. There was a guide group, or guide who took a group of people through an atomic laboratory. And this guide explained how all matter was composed of rapidly moving electric particles. The tourists studied models of molecules and were amazed to learn that matter is made up primarily of space. During the question period, one visitor asked, if this is the way matter works, what holds it all together? And for that question, the guide had no answer. The Christian has an answer, doesn't he? Jesus Christ holds it all together. He's able to do that. Um, it says here, by him all things consist. So for those who are concerned with saving the environment, uh, just know this, Jesus is holding this all together. While we do need to be good stewards of this planet and resources and not be wasteful, we, we don't need to panic and make it our life's goal and mission to save the planet because by Him all things consist. He doesn't really need our help. Uh, again, we don't need to be wasteful and waste the resources that God's given to us. However, uh, we don't need to panic and, and, and worry and go on a big uh, campaign to try to save the planet. Because one day this planet will melt with fervent heat. Uh, the world is not our home. And so let's not fret about things like global warming. Um, there was uh, those in Alaska have a bumper sticker that sometimes they put on their car. Alaskans for global warming. Because <laughs> it's just too cold there. They want it to get warmer. They want global warming to happen. But here's the deal. Global warming is going to happen someday. <laughs> I mean, this world is going to burn in with fervent heat, uh, Peter talks about. But until then, let's not, let's not panic. Let's not be bad stewards of this planet. But uh, just know that he holds this uh, earth together, this solar system, this universe, and all the stars and all the different galaxies and all the different aspects of it. He holds it all together. And it doesn't, doesn't wear him out. <laughs> He's not like... I just got a lot on my plate. I've got this to take care of and that to... No. God is able to do that because he has an infinite power. He holds the universe together, but guess what? He holds us together, physically speaking. He holds our bodies together and, and makes our bodies function. Of course, he created our bodies, but he also uh, holds it together and keeps it working. The, the heart that keeps pumping blood. Uh, who does that? God does. Jesus does. By him, all things consist. And so as a result, let's trust him and trust his will to be accomplished in our life and not fret, knowing that by him, all things consist. 
Uh, here's a few more titles that he'll give us in, in verse 18 and 19, and we'll um, cover those next time as it relates to the church. But uh, just know that he is the image of the invisible God. So God has chosen to manifest himself in the person of his son. He is the firstborn of every creature. He has always existed, and he is supreme over every creature. And he needs to be supreme in our life as well, over us, above me, above you. And then we know that he is our creator, and by him were all things created, and, and, for, and they were created for him as well including me. I was created for his pleasure. And then he is eternal and that he is the sustainer and I can trust him to sustain me, to sustain my life, to sustain my health should he desire to do so. I know that all of us are going to die at some point. All of us are going to pass from this life into the next should the Lord tarry in his coming. Of course, we're all hoping for the rapture. That's plan A for me. Um, my wife and I have talked about who wants to go first, and uh, we have just chosen that neither of us are going to go first. We're all both going to go at the same time in the rapture. Uh, we're not going to have a we're not going to have to go through any of that funeral stuff for each other. But that's that's plan A. God might have a different plan. Um, I hope He doesn't. I hope that plan works out. That's that's what we're really kind of hoping for. But the Lord's going to allow our bodies to die at some point. Let's trust him with the timing of that. And uh, let's um, trust the Lord uh, to sustain us for as long as he deems necessary. So tonight, as we've looked at the fact of who Jesus is, um, I hope that that's been an encouragement and a reminder of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Yes, he's our savior, but he's more than that. He's our creator too. And he's the one who sustains us and he's the eternal Son of God. With that, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we'll uh, conclude our service tonight. Lord, we do thank you for who you are. Lord, we are in awe of the fact that you created all that we know in six literal days. That is mind-boggling. Lord, for one molecule by chance to be formed would take uh, potentially billions and billions of years and that's just one molecule. But Lord, in six little days, you were able to speak it into existence, and it was done. You commanded, and it stood fast. Lord, we do marvel at that. And Lord, we're thankful for the fact that you also created us. And you created us for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live our lives for your honor, for your glory, for your pleasure. To not live for our own little desires, but Lord, that we would desire to uh, please you with our lives. Lord, we thank you that you are uh, the eternal sustainer and how you sustain this universe, but Lord, you also sustain my life. Um, and so, Lord, help me to trust you. Help me not to panic or fret about different things that come into my life knowing that you are going to sustain me. By you, all things consist. And we're grateful for who you are. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let's uh, conclude tonight by singing an appropriate song as we consider who the Lord Jesus is. 
I love you, Lord. Uh, it's 857 in our hymnal. Uh, we'll sing this. Uh, how about we sing it twice? Can we do that? Um, 857, I love you, Lord. We'll sing this twice, and then uh, we'll be dismissed in just a moment.